You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this exciting message from Senior Pastor Robin McMillan. Jesus' basic message was, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And the word repentance, um, not what I'm majoring on today, but it has a lot to do with how you view things. It's a change of mind. Um, There's also uh, part of it that has to do with your behavior, I'm sure, but uh, Jesus' basic message was there is a new realm of reality available to each one of us now if we know how to access it. That's a little bit um, of a summary maybe, but that was his basic message, and he actually called it a gospel. That word means good news. And um, so it's got to be good news. If Jesus says it was good news, but uh, anyway, what is the significance of the gospel of the kingdom of God? And this morning I'll be talking about the parable of the sower. But what is the significance of that message on the kingdom of God? How much emphasis did Jesus place on it? Well, first of all, we've mentioned this earlier, a little bit of... um, a review. It was Jesus' mission. Jesus said in Luke 4.43, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. We find out in Matthew 3 verse 1 that John the Baptist actually preached um, the very same message prior to Jesus preaching it. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And interchangeable is kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. Um, Matthew used the word heaven as I've understood it because of the, um, uh, the culture he was writing his gospel to. That would make more sense maybe. Um, but Jesus also authorized and sent his disciples to preach it. We find in Luke 9, 1 and 2. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And so Jesus had the most amazing the most remarkable, the most far-reaching ministry of anyone probably in human history if you consider the fact that he never um, left home. He he never traveled more than maybe 100 miles from home. It's so remarkable when you consider um, the, uh, the lack of communication. It's incredible. It's incredible what Jesus accomplished in basically between three and four years. They call it three and a half years. But let's ask this question. How did Jesus communicate? How did he communicate his understanding of the kingdom of God to his followers? And we find in Matthew 13, 3, it says he taught them many things by using stories, parables that would illustrate spiritual truths. So he used 
parables. He used stories. And um, one of the things we're going to look at today, and to me it's so intriguing, and to me it's so encouraging, he tells about four different kinds of soil, and he talks about seed being planted in that soil, and he talks about what soil um, was fertile for the growth of that seed, the fruitfulness of that seed, and he also talked about what soil wasn't. And he actually mentions in there a verse out of Isaiah, seeing they won't see and hearing they won't hear, and um, which can be a little, because hearing and seeing they would hear and be saved, it actually says in one, one verse there, which I'm going, wow, that's pretty incredible. Um, but when you, <laughs> when you actually dive into this parable, which is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's not in John. When you dive into this parable, you discover that after he told the parable, guess what his disciples said? They said, we don't understand what that means. And so they asked him. They asked him. And to me, the whole point of the parable, at one, uh, the whole point was, hey, you, you better know what this stuff means. You better be the right soil. And then it turns out the very ones he began to tell this to apparently did not understand at all what he was saying. And they were the 12 apostles. Which means, if you don't have a clue, don't feel bad about it. They didn't either. Survey says, okay. Now, to give a context for why we must value value the parables of Jesus, I want to read um, something else he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. He said, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. So he says, whoever comes to me, hears my sayings and does them. Here's what that person's like. He's like a home builder. He's like building a house. And because he heard what I said and followed the implications of it. He was digging deep and laying a foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it for it was half founded on the rock. And there's a little, there's a little frightening um, word there. It's the word when. Everybody think about that word. Don't say it because that gets ridiculous. But, but if you want to, no, but think about that word when. When, not if. There's a difference in if and when. When means it's going to happen. If means maybe you have an opportunity to escape it. But Jesus didn't use if. He used when the flood arose, when the stream beat vehemently against that house, it could not shake it. Why? because it was founded on the rock. And that rock was a practical, functional relationship with Jesus, not with church. You understand? You have to make it because, no, 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 no. With Jesus, with the person of Jesus and the words that he spoke and some kind of honest um, application of his words to your life. 
Then it says this, but he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Now you should at this point, um, you should at this point go back in your memory file to those hurricanes that have come through our parts of the world. You should look at the Bahamas. How many of you have seen the devastation in some of those nations? Why? Their houses were built on the sand. And it was inevitable that if a storm of that magnitude came, that Jesus said, and they some, some of them are vehement, that house would not make it. So we, we go, my goodness, we should help those people, and we should. But see, the message this morning is not for them. It's for you. It's for you. See, that's happened almost in a faraway land, although Michelle comes from Florida. She's had plenty of experience of a devastating, devastating hurricanes. And so here's what Jesus is doing. First of all, it is very difficult to grasp how much God loves us. It is very difficult to grasp that. One of the words in the Old Testament that's used over and over and over is um, hesed, H-E-S-E-D. H -E -S -E -D, and it is very difficult to define it without doing a lot of work to define it and adding a lot of other words to it. But it basically means God's loving kindness. And it's the kind of loving kindness that you would extend to a person who has done you irreparable great harm. That's what that, that's what that word actually means. The loving kindness of God. While we were yet sinners, the Bible tells us, Christ died for us. And only, I think, in eternity will we understand the depth, the profundity, and the length to which Jesus went to do what he did on the cross and pay that price. But here's what we need to hear this morning. Listen, Jesus loves you. He really, he cares about you. He cares about you so much that when he came, he gave us many, many opportunities to understand what it takes to live life successfully. It's through wisdom. It's through concepts. It's through ideas. But these ideas are not always immediately understood, you have to spend some time looking at the things that Jesus said. Even his own disciples, the minute he tells them this parable of the sower, they, um, they, they say, we don't know what it means. Well, basically, they fell into one of the three of the four characteristics of bad soil. So here's good news. We're all bad soil. But here's better good news. We don't have to be. We really don't have to be. Now, here is, um, I'm going to read the parable. And this is, uh, you can find this in Luke chapter 8. And it starts in, I'm going to start in verse 5. A farmer went out to sow seeds for a harvest. As he scattered his seed, some of it fell on the hard pathway and was quickly 
trampled down and unable to grow and became nothing but bird seed. Some fell on the gravel, and though it sprouted, it couldn't take root. It withered for lack of moisture. Other seed fell where there was nothing but weeds. It too was unable to grow to full maturity, for it was choked out by the weeds. Yet some of the seed fell into good fertile soil, and it grew and flourished until it produced more than a hundredfold harvest, a bumper crop. Then Jesus added, shouting to all who would hear him, listen with your heart and you will understand. Later, his disciples came to Jesus and asked him privately what deeper meaning was found in this parable. He said, you have been given a teachable heart to perceive the secret hidden mysteries of God's kingdom realm. But those who don't have a listening heart, my words are merely stories. Even though they have eyes, they are blind to the true meaning of what I say. And even though they listen, they won't receive full revelation. Here then is the deeper meaning to my parable. The word of God is the seed that is sown into hearts. The hard pathway represents the hard hearts of men who hear the word of God, but the slanderer or the devil quickly snatches away what was sown in their hearts to keep them from believing and experiencing salvation. The seed falling on the gravel represents those who initially respond to the word with joy, but soon afterward, when a season of harassment of the enemy and difficulty come to them, they wither and fall away, for they have no root in the truth and their faith is temporary. The seed that falls into the weeds represents the hearts of those who hear the word of God, but their growth is quickly choked off by their own anxious cares, the riches of the world, and the fleeting pleasures of this life. This is why they never become mature and fruitful. The seed that fell into good fertile soil represents those lovers of truth who hear it deep within their hearts. They respond by clinging to the word, keeping it dear as they endure all things in faith. This is the seed that will one day bear much fruit in their lives. And I want to read that one more time. And the idea here is everyone, as I understand it, has um, at one time or another been one of the kinds of soils that just would not produce. And the idea here is why would Jesus give us this parable? Would he just give us this parable to show why people don't make it or why No, 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 no. He gives us this parable to show us if our faith is failing or if um, we're not accessing or understanding the things that Jesus said, if it's not impacting our lives, he he gives us insight into why that's so. And the fact that he tells us is in itself a hope-filled concept. He's trying to help us with those ideas and, and processes and problems that maybe we don't understand we have. And like I said earlier, even his own disciples didn't fall into the good ground capacity because once they heard the parable, they went off and asked him what it meant. And do you know what? You can do that too. How many of you ask Jesus questions with the idea that he'll answer them? 
Yeah, I mean, everybody's got questions. But do we understand that he really wants to answer those questions? He wants to talk to us. He loves us. He wants us to live well. My goodness. So that is the parable of the sower. And what that parable does, it emphasizes four heart conditions. Four conditions of the human heart. Last week, I read out of Isaiah 61. And this this parallels something I'm saying. In Isaiah 61, which was Jesus' basic message of the gospel of the kingdom, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, etc., etc., etc. He says to heal the brokenhearted. And a person is, who's brokenhearted has trouble believing because the Bible, it, it didn't meant there was an actual crack in the muscle called the heart, obviously. No, it meant that through the process of life, they've become brokenhearted, which means they have lost or losing the capacity to hope and believe again. So there are these conditions of the human heart. And one of the things Jesus wants to do for brokenhearted people is he wants to restore you to that place of faith again. And so this parable emphasizes four conditions of the heart, four ways we think, what it is that goes on internally in our relationship with the Lord. Um. Now, the first thing we see in the parable is the sower sows the seed. And we discover that Jesus tells us that he's the sower and that the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. And I want us to think about seed just for a minute. It has both potential. I'm almost saying the same thing, but to me it's a little bit different. A seed has both potential and a latent power. When it comes right down to it, your power is not in your faith. It's in that word that when you believe it, it can explode or it can create or it can develop or it can encourage or it can transform or it can change. So in a sense, the power is not in believing. The power is latent inside the seed. Now, I want you to take a look at this acorn slide. We got that there. You recognize that acorn. That's a seed. And um, it's amazing what can come out of an acorn. You look at the size of it, what, inch and a quarter, two inches maybe. Well, let me show you what can come out of an acorn. This is um, called the angel oak. The angel oak. That's in South Carolina. It's a free place. It's got a fence so crazy people won't paint their name on it and tear the limbs off of it. But that oak is between four and 500 years old and was probably planted during the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s. It's 66.5 feet tall. 
is 28 feet in circumference. Its shade covers 17,200 square feet, and its longest branch is 187 feet long. Um, now, I also have a little video. You want to go ahead and hit that slide. I want you to see this video. It would give you a little bit better idea than just that, that photograph. That was professionally done by uh, a local Charlotte pastor. <laughs> Look at that. Is, that. is that not amazing? Is that not amazing? 66 feet and a half tall. And that's another result of seed, by the way, (laughs) for another discussion. (laughs) But that's a great idea. Look around you. Stop looking at me briefly. Not you know. I want you to look around at the people in this building just for a second. Why would they be here? Why would anyone anywhere be in a church meeting? You you know, church, I read this the other day. It's it's so interesting. Do you know there was, I I gave this to Andy, a guy named Brian Zahn wrote this, and it was really very interesting. He said, there was no golden age of the church. It's always been this way. It's It's always been a mess. Yeah. Yeah, if you're if you're thinking it's somehow going to be this golden thing, it's not. It's just this thing, this place. It's really not a place. It's this people, assembly, a grouping of people. It's even called the body of Christ. But it's called a reason. Uh, for a reason, it's called the body of Christ. It's because when Jesus taught, unless a corn of wheat or a grain of wheat or a seed goes into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You're part of that fruit that comes from 2,000 years of the message of Jesus and the fact that he died for us, was resurrected, sent back his spirit, so the very spirit that dwelt in him now dwells in us. He was the original seed. You're part of the production of what it was Jesus Jesus died for. And so that was the Angel Oak. It's down in South Carolina, south of Charleston. Uh, maybe not a half an hour or so, but it's a really great little place to visit. It's just out in the middle of nowhere. You'd think um, they'd put a tree like that in a more prominent place, but it's <laughs> probably why it's as big as it is, frankly. Um, Now, here's an idea. You can count the number of acorns in an oak tree, but you can't count the number of oak trees in an acorn. And I'm doing all, I'm saying all these things and I'm showing you this picture and I'm making this point to emphasize the fact that the words that Jesus speak are exactly like that acorn. They're a seed, but the seed has got to be planted 
in the right environment for it to produce what it intended to produce because it has potential. Now, here's another amazing thing. It doesn't just have potential. It has a latent power. It has a latent power. And what I mean by that is there's a power in seeds that is so remarkable it can sit in a hostile or a dry, arid environment for literally 2,000 years and then a 2,000-year-old literal seed. I'm not, I'm not being spiritual. I'm talking about literally a 2,000-year-old literal seed can be put in the right environment and it will grow, in one case, a date tree and the seed's been dormant for 2,000 years. Why? Because there's something in the seed that's remarkable. Now, I don't know about all this, but I did, I did read this. Um, that was a date palm, 2,000 years old. They actually called it, I think, the Methuselah plant because he was the oldest man in the Bible, et cetera. But um, it was preserved by nothing more than storage in hot and dry conditions. So they found this seed in the 1960s in a hilltop fortress called Masada. If you know biblical history, it's got a whole long history. Um, But it was on the edge of the Dead Sea in Israel. And when they were planted, they germinated. And so several seeds that were with that seed did not germinate, so they carbon dated them. And when they carbon dated them, they found them out to be about 2,000 years old, making them possible contemporaries of Jesus, which is an interesting idea. Now, that's remarkable, but it's not as remarkable as something else that's been discovered. At 2,000 years, Methuselah seed, is what they've called it, isn't the most aged to be used to grow a plant, not by a long shot. Back in 2012, a team of Russian scientists unearthed a cache of seeds from a prehistoric squirrel burrow that had been covered in ice. And I think, I think I read it was like 128 feet under the permafrost. And it didn't germinate apparently because the squirrel knew enough about how it worked to bite it a little bit. This is 32,000 year old squirrels, pretty smart. And they took it and they succeeded in germinating that specimen. And, and they said it was 32,000 years ago because it was carbon dated. Some people say the earth is just 7,000 years old. I don't know. But that's not the point, And it's not worth arguing over. The fact is there is so much latent power in a seed that it almost can't be killed as long as it goes into the right environment. But it may as well be dead. It may as well be powerless if it's in the wrong environment. And so um, I read about four kinds of soil. 
Um, the I like that passion translation because when I read it, sometimes things come up a little bit more alive or there's something about it. But there were basically four kinds of soil. There's the wayside, then there's the stony places, there was the thorny soil, then there was a the good soil. And so what happened when they planted or first of all, the, the wonderful thing, and it really does, it really does tell you about the grace of God. He throws seed everywhere. I mean, no farmer in their right mind would pay for seed and then go plant it somewhere and knew it wouldn't grow. That's not God. He throws seed everywhere. But when he went out to sow and some fell by what's called the wayside, it was trampled down and the birds of the air devoured it. And as you, and I've read all different, all the different um, gospel um, uh, renderings of this, the Matthew gospel says about the wayside was it does not understand what was spoken. And see, if you don't understand something, you won't retain it. And so when you read the, when you read the Proverbs, the Proverbs says we should cry out for understanding. And see, I, I, I hate, I, I don't want to be dramatic, but what you do and don't understand can, can mean life or death. It can mean success or failure. It can mean a strong foundation that weathers some emotional, some relational, some cultural storm that comes, or you lose your house, you lose your family, you lose your business, you lose your life. Now, see, we don't like to talk in, in quite those dramatic terms, but the problem is Jesus had no problem talking in those kind of dramatic terms because he knew the score. He knew what it took to not survive, but to succeed and excel in this life. And we are not born knowing how to do that. We're not. We need help. Does anybody realize we need help? That ever struck you, we need help? And we're so arrogant. The un we're so arrogant. We're so quick to criticize everybody. And then we look at our lives and what do we have to show for what we're doing? I mean, honestly, in the grand scope of things, why would we ever criticize anybody? Look at us. Oh, well. Now, that was the wayside. Now, the stony soil, some fell on the rock. And as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Um, we skip over here to some of these other concepts because I think the stony soil had a depth problem. It had a substance problem. It was shallow. What does a shallow Christian act like? Well, according to Jesus and according to this parable, he doesn't value the words of Jesus. Oh, okay, let's say you don't value the words of Jesus. Let me, let me ask everyone in here to raise your hand. That, no, I'm teasing. But what would the solution be? I think here's a solution. Take the Lord more seriously. Now, this idea of the fear of the Lord, it's all through the Old Testament. 
it's not like being terrified from an angry God, but it's like understanding in a fallen world, stuff happens to people. And there are ways to avoid certain difficulties through knowing Jesus. There really are. You can avoid a whole lot of things if you understand what Jesus is saying, if you understand his words, if you relate to life the way he wants us to. Now, here's a great one. The Bible says, judge not lest you be judged, for in the same measure you're judged. These are words of Jesus. You will be judged. That would, If you understood, if you believed those words and understood whenever you criticize somebody for making a stupid choice and a bad decision that hurts them and hurts those people around them and you criticize them, if you don't recognize that you could be setting yourself up to experience that yourself, meaning there's some things you don't have to go through if you'll just keep your head down. Somebody help me here. Am I I bringing it? Yeah. Yeah, everything happens for a reason. Yes, some of the reasons is we're just stupid. We just don't get it, right? Now, Peter is the perfect example. Peter said, I'm not like these other 11 bozos on your team, Jesus. If every one of them forsake you, you can count on me. So Jesus says, you're in big trouble, bro. You're going down. And he swore, no, I'm not. Jesus said, let me tell you, here's how this is going to play out. Before you hear the rooster crow again, you will have denied, and he did it publicly, three times with oaths and cursing. I mean, there's I don't know him, and then there's, Blankety blank blank. I don't know him. He went number two. <laughs> now here's here's the key. If Peter could have understood, he was no different than the other eleven. He didn't have any more character. He would not have had to go through that. Can you hear this? Because those are the words of Jesus. I'm going. Here's the scary part. He gives us the measure. He says here. You want to criticize people that go broke? Have a go. Do you know what understanding comes from in the worst kind of way? It's when you stand under what somebody else feels. That's not a good way to learn wisdom. Here is the best way to learn wisdom. It's from somebody else's experience, not your own. Because you don't want to go through some of the things it takes to learn some very vital, important things. So, There's stony soil, no depth, not enough substance. You need to love the truth. And one of the things we need to understand about loving the truth is we need to get to the place where we're primarily concerned about telling ourselves the truth, not everybody else. It's very important to have a love for the truth, to have a realistic appreciation for who you really deep down are and who you're called to be. Then the thorny soil, desire for other things, the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this life, pleasures, anxiety, 
choke the word. What's the solution to all that? Well, I think part of it's self-control. Um, part of it is if you can simply realize that a self-focused, self-centered, selfish life is destructive to you and those you love, it'll help you. I mean, how much stuff can we have? I read this the other day. Um, do you know that world poverty is down over 80%? It means where there was this number of people in poverty over the last 100 years, that's decreased by 80%. 80%. Oh, here's another great fact. Um, Violent crime is down 50% from the 1960s. Now, you, you wouldn't believe that. You wouldn't believe that if you heard the news. Now, what was the first one I told you about because I lost my train of thought? Poverty. That's not helping. <laughs> That's terrible. (laughs) In closing, (laughs) I had such a great point. (laughs) It was so rich. I tell you what, act like you heard something really sharp and uh, go, whoo, man, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah, thank you, John, but it's just, it's gone. So good soil, how about good soil? First thing good soil does is it has an understanding of what Jesus said. A person is good soil who accepts what the word says and acts on it. That's called humility and obedience. Man, that was a good point back there. It's just <laughs> bothering me. One, one of the Gospels calls it a noble and honest heart. And to me, a noble and honest heart is one who's more committed to telling himself or herself the truth than criticizing those people around you. It's a love of the truth. And so this parable is not a fatalistic analysis of a permanent heart condition you can change. Or Jesus wouldn't even told us about it. He wouldn't even gone through all this. You can change. You can change. Um, one great example, and man, we got a picnic. Is the sun out yet? I wanted that sun to come out. Uh, actually, that's a great spiritual truth. You know, the sun never comes out. It's always right where it always was. It's our perspective that needs to understand that. So moving right along. In Jeremiah 17, verse 5, thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. So the prophet would um, parallel trusting in man with departing from the Lord. 
Cursed is the man who trusts in man, makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Well, what will he be like if he has that heart condition? He shall be like a shrub in the desert. He shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Now that one phrase is so important to understand because we have blamed the Lord many times for the, for the ways our, our, our life has gone or the lack of resource or the lack of something we wanted or even needed. But the Lord says, when you're in that condition, when your heart's departed from the Lord and you trust in man instead of trusting in the Lord, when good comes, let's say that, when, when good comes, you can't see it. Why? It's a heart condition. It's a condition of your heart. Now, the way we relate to that is we blame God for not helping us. It's like the guy in the, in the big flood who was up on top of his roof and guy came by in a canoe, said, hey, man, this is getting worse. Come on. He says, no, nah, the Lord will take care of me. And then the guy came by in a motorboat. No, nah, the Lord will take care of me. Then the guy came by in a helicopter and he said, no, the Lord will take care of me. And then, then he drowned. What's the uh, moral of the story? Well, when he went to heaven, he said, God, Lord, I thought you were going to save me. He said, well, gosh, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. Good came, and in his case, he was too religious to take it. That's another story. Now, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when he comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. So, and if you know anything about Jeremiah, he had his own problems with, um, with negativity, negativity, but the Lord really helped him. So here's what I'm saying today. Ask yourself this question. Where do I line up in that parable? What kind of ground am I? Have I given the Lord the place he deserves in my life? A little bit of confrontational idea this morning, but it'll help us. What kind of ground are you? What kind of ground do you want to be? I guess that's the real question. I think one of the things about the words of Jesus is they challenge every one of us, no matter where we are. I want to be, I want to be good soil. I want to bear a lot of fruit. I think one of the problems, and I think most of us deal with, is why do we want to be successful? What part of our motivation is to see somebody else benefit from it? Now, I know God has given us richly all things to enjoy, but that's a great question. I mean, the I've known the Lord a long, long time, and he... He still deals with me about things. And that's one of the questions. Um, when you have, uh, um, you know, you have ambitions, you have drive, you have motivations, and you want 
to, to do well by your family and you want to do well by your children. But some of the ambitions we have, I think we need to say, Lord, um, help me here. I, I want to do well so that other people can do well. I like power. I like power ministry. I like all that. I like it when people get healed. But one of the problems is, do we want power so we can be powerful? We want to help somebody. Well, I think in this, I want to help somebody. I want to be good ground. And I want you to be good ground. I want us to take to heart the things Jesus says. And I want him to speak to us more. One of the things Andy was praying for this morning was, we want to be touched, Lord, by your spirit again. We want to be enriched by who you are, by your presence, by your word. We want to see you do miraculous things. I know um, right now I know at least three people who are very dear to me who have cancer. Lord, heal my friends of cancer. We release by faith your presence, your power for healing. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.